Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Queers and Allies podcast. I'm your host, William Young, and for today's episode, the episode two, it's going to be a feature on coming out for National Coming Out Day, which is today, uh, October 11th. We have a few stories recorded today. Um, they all vary in length and experiences. Uh, some of them, I'm going to have trigger warnings before them, just to let you know if that's something that might affect you. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of great stories. All the people who gave their stories are students at College of Western Idaho, and they just wanted to come forward and share their experiences with coming out. I hope you really like this episode. It's a bit of a long one, but feel free to stick around for the whole thing. I can promise you it will be worth it. Thank you. Um, we have our first segment today from a member of our club for their coming out story. Would you mind introducing yourself for us? Yeah, sure. Hi, I am Sydney Rich. I am a gender nonconforming and also pansexual for the most part. Yeehaw. Yeehaw, indeed. All right. Reclaim those Southern vibes. <laughs> um, so I heard that you have a couple coming out stories today. Did you want to share both of them today in this? Yeah, I wanted okay. to share both of them because... They kind of segue into each other, but also don't. All right. Well, how about let's open up with your first story here. Give us any context you think we'll need. And okay. So it was in high school, as okay. most people come out in high school. Or don't. Whatever. I did. Um, so for a couple of weeks, I had been questioning whether or not I was straight. Or, like, which label fit me the best. Honestly, I did question if I was straight before I questioned if I was gay. I... I've always known that I, w I always like felt a uh, sort of pull towards the LGBT kind of people and their group. Mm -hmm. I, even in middle school when I wasn't even thinking about, I was, I had a crush on a boy, but I was still like, I was an ally firmly. Like I felt firmly in that they deserved, that we deserve rights and such. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so high school, um, I think it might've been sophomore year. Anyways, me and my friend had been talking about crushes that we had, and I was like, if I ask my crush out to the Valentine's Day dance, you have to ask yours. Oh. Mine was a girl. The band was selling these wooden roses. Oh, okay. They were like, no, they were not like wood cute. Not wood shop, but like Not band. wood shop. Yeah, the band. Interesting. But like, they were like these wire, they had like the wire sticks and the cute little uh, leaves, and then they had like these little thin wood petals for the rose, mm -hmm. and they had like a squirt of like, I don't know, perfume. I bought one. I went up to the girl that I wanted to ask out, and I was like, hey, I'm going to ask you out oh, to the Valentine's Day dance. I'm going to give you time to like decide whether or not you want to say yes, because I don't want to force this on you. And I gave her the rose, and then we went to class, and she said yes. Oh, my God. She did. She did. It was super cute. So, like, did you have any um, assumptions that you think they might have been interested in you? Um. No, I remember... You just went for it. I did. Oh I just, God, like, brave. I remember I... She was reading a piece of my writing, because mm -hmm. I was in creative writing at the time, and I remember she had looked at me with, like, these stars in her eyes, and she had just been freaking out, and she was like, Sydney, this is so good, and I remember, like, seeing her face with her eyes lit up that way, and I remember just being like, oh, no, she's really super cute, and I love her. It was all downhill from there. It was Locked all downhill in. from there. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, woman. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> But uh, anyways, so I went home and I was like, okay, I got I to gotta ask for money. I can't afford these tickets. Yeah. <laughs> so I went up to my mom and I like, I remember sitting down and at the kitchen table, kind of looking at her, all smug and shit. And I was like, hey, mom, I asked a girl to the Valentine's Day dance. And like my brother was in the background doing God knows what. And he was like, I knew it. 
I knew she was a lesbian. Outed. And my mom was just like, I'm buying you two tickets oh. so that they can't turn you away if you oh. have a couple's ticket. Oh, my God. And she was like trying to figure out how our school would be either accepting or unaccepting. I actually have a story about that right after yours. Okay. But like, it was really, it was really cool that she, that was her first primary concern. That's amazing. Yeah. I really love my mom. She's been very supportive. That was, that was my good story of coming out. That was a nice, that was a nice ride. Yeah. I I have another one. It's a slightly rougher ride, but not, not too bad. Okay, before we go to the second one, can I talk about my experience with couples tickets? Oh, heck yeah. All right, so I have two really close friends, and they're married now. They had, like, a big gay wedding this last year. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and they've been in a relationship since they were, like, 15 years old. Oh, wow, that's met awesome. Met at an anime convention. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's literally how it happened. But when we were in high school, we were all getting ready for, like, the big prom or whatever, mm-hmm. and everyone was going to get their couples tickets. Mm-hmm. So my two friends, since they've been, like, dating since the beginning of time, decided to go and try and get couples tickets. Now, at our school, this was at um, Timberline High School. Yeah. There were no policies in place that restricted anyone from getting couples tickets. It just said, if you're a couple, get the tickets. So at the discretion of the students who were involved in the student council at the time who were selling the tickets, they told my friends, no, you can't get them because you're two girls. And they Rude. Were, yeah, and they were like, um, but why are you doing this? Wait. And they didn't really have the site any reasons. Um, and my friends were denied the discount for couples tickets. They had to buy tickets individually. That's cool. Um, and, it, and it was like, they could have even simply lied and been like, oh, I'm buying this for this person. Or like, grab someone else's student ID and then just like go with the tickets. Because like, it was, it was a high school prom, like ticket ordering kind of situation. It's yeah. not a big deal, but they made it a big deal. I don't believe my friends pursued any more action on it because they're not like as direct and intense about it as I am. They were like, we just want to go to the dance. We don't want to make a scene. Yes, this hurts, but like we care more about what we get to experience than making some sort of statement because everyone's really different with how they want to approach these like political avenues in their lives. Yeah. Um, and they've kind of always been that way. Like they've been very like focused more on their own personal lives than focused on like the larger scope of everything else because they, t- they just want to have a good life. That's all they want. And that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. I remember my mom mostly just wanted me to avoid all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. My mom wanted me to, and then I was like, Oh, sorry, mom. I have to, I have to go attack some people. And she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> but I'll have a juice box for you when you're done. Oh, cute. <laughs> Man. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd bring yeah. that up before I moved on to your next story. So whenever you're ready. All right. Part two. Part two is a little rougher than part one. Yeah. Part two, so, okay, context. We were on the road trip from hell with my grandma and grandpa, me, my brother, and my mom, five of us in a truck. Oh, like. It was awful. Three of us were crammed in the back with, like, a a bench seat, and my grandpa got the front seat because he's, he was fat. (laughs) He was fat. We aren't fat shaming here. We're just properly describing the environment to help visualize. Yeah, no. But um, he's a big man, and he doesn't care about his health. But anyways, he we were coming back from Mount Rushmore, and I had been having like anxiety the entire trip, and I just hated it so much. And I was sitting in the car, basically shaking in rage, and I was like, "So, the right to pursue happiness, huh? Uh. Should apply to marriage, huh?" Oh, here we go, trapped in the truck, <laughs> truck politics. Here we go. Yeah, and my mom. She was driving, but she pretty much just like shrank into the driver's seat and was just like, I'm not getting involved. And I love her, but she's very non-confrontational. Yeah. And um, my grandpa went off and he was 
both him and my grandma were both citing like religious reasons why it shouldn't be valid. And I was like, what about separation of church church and state? state. Kind of part of our uh, constitution. (laughs) Didn't quite glow over well. Yeah. And the argument kind of, well, they got a little angrier and I tried to keep rational despite my rush of like. Vitriol. Yeah. The like fight or flight. I was like shaking. I was like shaking. I was so excited to be having this argument and winning. Winning in my mind. And it is kind of fun when they're like trapped with you, especially yeah. when you have all the factual resources. Yeah, yeah. It's empowering, though. I bet your mom was like living in a mini nightmare. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She was just like, hmm, my daughter's handling this well. She doesn't need me on this matter. But um, yeah, at one point during the argument, my grandpa said, why are you so invested in it? Mind you, he was yelling. Why are you so invested in this? Are you gay? And there was like dead silence oh, for no. like three seconds before I said, making. yes. Yes, I am. The drama. And then there was dead silence further. And there was silence for like a solid 30 30 seconds, I want to say. And then my my grandma like patted the seat next to me and was like, it's okay. I love you anyways. Which is like. That's a lot. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. Yeah. But my grandpa, he never commented on it. He never said anything else any further. And like later. don't mind me asking, is he still alive today? No, he passed away. um, I think eight months ago maybe and did he ever talk about it or oh no oh that's unfortunate no. um i didn't have the best relationship with my grandpa for a couple of reasons yeah me neither. that might have been one of them also the fact that i have boobs is one of them my uh-huh. like, uh whatever yeah. i mean we had it was it was a rough relationship whatever it was but like it was funny when he was still alive he would make stupid homosexual or like homophobic comments and I would just be like, well, now it's my time to shine. <laughs> like, um, when Hillary was running for president, he made the comment that she just wants to turn every woman into a lesbian. Thank God. Yeah, I know, right? And I, I immediately chimed in, ooh, she doesn't have to work hard on me. She already got and he me. just was like, gives me these looks of like, what What are you? Uh, what is this? I just told you. <laughs> I just told you what I am. And then he had like the grossest like sexual commentary on like, he doesn't understand why gay men like what they do and why... But like he understands why don't, people are straight. Don't knock it till you try it, buddy. Like, <laughs> come on, we're not out here kink shaming. But come like he on. would, he would compare the female genitalia to that of a peach, and he would pantomime his hands opening, and then he would bury his face in his hands. Ew. It was disgusting. And yeah. That's appropriate to do in front of your grand. Okay, whatever. Anyways, I would be like, yeah, Grandpa, you're right, and then I would copy him and watch his face turn into like horror. Wow, what an event to witness. I wish I was there. It was always funny for me. Not him, but for me. Yeah, I definitely never got to the point talking to my grandparents about that because by the time like I knew sexually who I was, um, they were really late in their like um, dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, they, they have passed by now, but I, I just I couldn't even imagine a good conversation happening with that based on like how they were raised and what they understood. I mean, they were so indescribably... Well, they, they, they partook in very, very racist conversations, and they said a lot of slurs, and I couldn't imagine if you can't get past, like, the N-word, if you're ever going to even consider that a gay person exists without using another type of slur. Yeah, and that's so, messed up. Yeah, we never really got to that point. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... This sounds crazy, but I think, like, the experience you had with your grandfather was an experience a lot of people never even get to get to that step. Yeah. And he may have never like fully acknowledged this that about you or accepted it, but you got to have that exchange. Yeah. Which and I, I, does that give I you any sort that. of like um does that give you any sort of closure or um 
I don't need. I, I don't think I need closure from my grandpa, and that's yeah. just a personal situation. But with my my grandma, who's still alive, she she has acknowledged that I might not end up with a man. That's a good step, and it's a good step. You know, I um, have a third coming out story. I guess. I mean, pop off. Okay. We have a third coming out story. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I you guess listeners are in for a treat today. I guess I technically have three. Three parter. So like after. I came out to my grandparents, which wasn't so great. My mom was like, you should probably come out to Grandy, my second grandma on my dad's side. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm, the last one didn't go over so well. And she was like, no, 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 come out to Grandy. And I was like, okay. So I did. And her first reaction, she was, I think she was older than my grandma. She's passed away now. But her first reaction wasn't anything like my other grandparents. She immediately was like, oh, Sydney, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to deal with all the crap this world is going to throw at you because of this. Mm. And that was because, as I found out, I had two lesbian great aunts that she knew and that she was really, I didn't, I hadn't really acknowledged it or really known about it until then. And it was like my great aunt Gigi had a female life partner and, like, she was a, a school attendant, and she was in charge of shit, and she was, like, I, I idolize her quite a bit. Yeah. But, like, my granny got to grow up with that. And, like, I hear stories about how when Gigi was old and her partner was old, I think it was um, Gigi and, like, Gigi and Jean. Aww. I think that's what their names were. The two OGs. Yeah, they were so cute. I didn't know anything about them, and I never met them. They were, like, in their 90s when I was a kid. But, like, they had a, a gay couple that lived next door that would take care of them. So like, wow. yeah, I That's have that. That's incredible though that, that that visibility only only occurred once you started talking about your own experiences. I mean, I think it was we would mention Gigi and like Jean, but it was never like Gigi and her girlfriend Jean or Gigi and her wife Jean or anything They're like just two good her friends. partner. They're just like gal. Pals. It was never really like gal pals mentioned either. It was just like Gigi and Jean. They were like just a, a That's unit. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, but like to know that they were a couple and that my grandy was like super supportive and worried for me just on like how people would treat me because of this yeah because she well she saw what happened to Gigi and Jean yeah probably yeah probably but But like the really cool thing is that they their visibility has gotten us so much further with what we can do today yeah so that's something that we always have to consider right that's that's awesome I love that yeah I, I I love them too yeah as far as I know I'm the only openly queer person in my entire family line which I know isn't true but unfortunately as far as what's recorded and what's talked about, that's all we got. Yeah, and that's that's rough. I mean, we, I only have Gigi and Jean, and they're not really talked about. And, like, on the other side of my family, I have, like, super religious. I think I have a, a gay cousin, and he was, like, disowned from his by his parents until he started making, like, I don't know, a lot of money. And then they're like, okay. I guess you can be our kid again. You you destroyed all of our stereotypes, and now you're a symbol of family pride. So I don't think they even talk about him being gay. I think they try and pretend like he's not. They're like, they they're like, okay, yeah, he's gay, but uh, he's making this much money. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and it's it's garbage. It's so sad. Yeah. Being gay is awesome. Yeah, but for the most part, most of my families that knows is accepting, and those that don't are kept in the dark. <laughs> wow, that's real. I love that story. That was <laughs> yeah. really good. That was really interesting. I never, well, learned so much about you. That's great. Well, thank you for coming out of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank this. you for sharing your amazing three-part coming out story. <laughs> we laughed. We it cried. Would be. <laughs> okay, we didn't cry. But we giggled you a little bit. You can't prove that. I could have silent Fair. tears. 
Okay, fair. <laughs> That's valid. All right. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm going to press the balls button. We'll have our next uh, speaker coming up shortly. Thank you for tuning in. All right, next up, listeners, we have... Hi, big surprise. It's me, Will Young, the president of Queers and Allies. Um, I thought I'd share my coming out story today. That's a pretty cute one. Ooh. Um, not as long of a story as our last one, but it's pretty adorable. So in high school and junior high, I had no idea how to be gay. And for a long time, I had a hard time coming to terms with it because I didn't know exactly that I was different. I think a lot of gay people share this kind of feeling where it's like, oh, yeah, like all the other boys are attracted to boys, but they're just they just don't talk about it. And we just like talk about how we're attracted to girls. And we're like, they're like pretty and like they're cute, but we're all secretly attracted to each other. And like, that's what I thought. And I think there are a number of queer people who kind of have the same feeling where, like, they know they're different, but they also know, like, what they're feeling is real to some extent. Yeah. I mean, I always knew I was different, but yeah, I don't know if I ever put a label to it. Yeah. Um, I also know that when my friends and I were, like, really early on in high school, before I came out, we would, like, talk about, like, oh, who are you attracted to? And I was just like, um, I'm attracted to, like, French girls. <laughs> <laughs> and I just didn't know like what to say or how to interpret that. I was like, oh, French girls with blonde hair. And like, I didn't know what I was doing when I was describing like the French wizards from Harry Potter from that one school and like the blue outfits. And I was like, oh, oh. they're like the prettiest girls on TV. So that's, those are the ones that are pretty, right? So I just described them and it, it was a great moment for me. Um, <laughs> but when I ended up coming out, I first came out to a really good friend of mine. And she was pretty much openly gay at the time. And I think I definitely utilized her visibility to enhance my own. Hmm. And I came out to her privately. I came out to a few friends privately. And I pretty much came out to, like, all of my friends individually. And they were all great with it. In fact, all of my friends ended up coming out as either queer, gay, bi, trans. Like, we all came out of the closet. Birds of a feather flock together, they seem. Yeah. And we had been friends since, like the seventh and sixth and fifth grade. So I think it's it's been these like I don't have like any recurring heterosexual friends, which is an interesting experience. Because I yeah. hear a lot from other queer people about like how they don't talk about queer things as much because they have only straight friends. I'm just like, you have straight friends? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had that issue a bit too. Yeah. Um but when I came out to my family, it was first to my sister. And when I told her I was gay, the first thing she said to me was you're not gay. You just watch too much Glee. <laughs> and that, like, kind of, 
that like it like personally hurt a little bit but on like reflecting on it is like the funniest thing she's ever said to me because i was really into glee like when i was in high school i bought the glee albums before i knew where the actual songs came from Oh, and my, my iPod was just like full of every season of Glee, but I had, I had no idea who these wow. artists originally were. And I tried to be a little Kurt Hummel and it was embarrassing <laughs> and horrifying. And it was, and <laughs> we so all have our cringy phage- phases. Yeah. And it's not like that's anything wrong with being Kurt Hummel, but it wasn't who I was. I tried to be a theater gay, but I realized like theater is not my avenue. I'm much more political than that. And for me, theater was never political enough. Mm. Um, then when I came out to my mom, I, I think most people, they usually go, like, the friends, then kind of siblings, then the mom, and then the dad is, like, the final boss. <laughs> um, Dads tend to be very intimidating. <laughs> um, but for my mom, we were downstairs, and she was watching an Oprah Winfrey coming out special. Ooh. So I was like, this is, like, a really good moment. Ooh, it's time. So I kind of, like, snuck down there, sat next to her on the couch, just watched the whole special with her. I, like, watched her reactions the entire time because I know earlier in a relationship, my parents, the only thing I'd ever heard about gay people, and because the topic didn't really come up much, it only came up very specifically. But the only time I really heard about it was in reference to like the AIDS crisis or oh. like her friends being really sexually active. And since we didn't have a, oh, Bob, since <laughs> we didn't have, oh my God, since we didn't have a lot of like out gay friends in Idaho, it was just not a, it's not a conversation we had very often. So my only, my only understanding was a negative one. And this is why I suggest like every parent has positive or at least neutral conversations about sexuality so that kids can understand it's more than just a negative thing. It's a whole world experience. And afterwards I watched how she was reacting and she seemed like pretty, you know, she's like a woke little liberal, <laughs> really getting getting her ally on. So I kind of went up to her and was like, hey mom, you know how we just like watch this entire special on coming out? Well, I have something to tell you. And I knew it was time because when I said that, her eyes just like started beaming. And she was like, oh my gosh, I get to have a gay son. <laughs> I get to have this moment. Oh my gosh. And it, thank you, Oprah. I'm just going to say thank you, Oprah, for that moment. Because it really did help a lot. Because I think even if it's a little um, selfish, I think it's really good to help parents feel like having a, a queer child is a really special thing. Yeah. I think hopefully we get to a place where it's just like, oh, that's just like a natural part of being you. That doesn't have to like be like special. You're not like a token now that I have. But that is a lot better of a step for me that I experienced than just like being a negative thing. Yeah. Um, when I came out to my dad, it was definitely a lot harder because I think he didn't know how to react. Because one, I think he didn't know why I was telling him. And one of the reasons why I told him that I was coming out is because, like, he had pushed so many weird gender roles on me my entire life. And I knew coming out to him wouldn't, like, open all that up immediately, but it would start the process. Like, whenever I'd be with, like, friends that are women, he would always have me, like, escort them everywhere and open doors to them specifically and, like, help them. And he's like, you need to be a good man. You need to help women. Which also, like, if you are, like, a straight dude, like, listening to this, like, a bi dude, like, you don't have to help women. Like, you just every person's different and just get to know them. Like women don't need to be helped. You can uh, be polite, but we're not damsels. Yeah. And I think that's a really toxic rhetoric, which I was always uncomfortable with for my own personal selfish reasons. Like I don't want to help women because I want to help men. <laughs> so it was always very confusing for me. But when I came out, he was really quiet for a while. He didn't know how to respond. And usually he like does this thing where like I give him information that is very new and he feels like he's being attacked or he's on guard. So we just like walked away and he thought about it for a while the next interaction we had was him like spewing some stuff about the Bible and like someone oh, I wake up in the morning, 
there's only one thing I know that's true, and that's the Lord's word. And I'm just like, what, is that? what are you saying? Like, he was definitely having like a moment for himself. And I was just like, that's great, Dad. I'm going to keep listening to Glee. <laughs> <laughs> and after a while, he got really comfortable with it, and we had a lot more conversations about it. Because like I had not believed in God since before I knew, even knew that I was gay. And I didn't, I never, I never viewed the two as like very connected. I just viewed them as like different parts of myself and one didn't lead to the other. And I also think like that is really good to understand when people come out, they're not, they're also not saying I don't believe in God. They're just saying like, I'm coming out. Like don't read into it too hard. They're just saying like, I like these genders. Like let's calm down now. Or did your I don't dad, like these genders. Did your dad assume that you were coming out as like not believing in God at the same time? He assumed it was coming out just as a way of, of telling him he was wrong. Oh. And that's how he interpreted it because like throughout my entire life, I also never enjoyed any of the sports that we did. I was very artistic. I did a lot of like writing. I, I didn't like to do physical activities, but like a lot of that was also related to the fact that like I have autism and sports activities, they always stressed me out because they relied on a lot of social rules that I never understood and that no one helped me with. And I didn't, I didn't even figure out I was autistic until I was like 20. So yeah. there were a lot of different factors at play. And my dad was just trying to find answers where there weren't any at the time. And I think coming out was a really important step for me learn to be who I was. And I, my family, we've gone through a lot of different problems throughout the years with my sexuality where it's like, you know, my mom had a conversation with me where she said, can I just call you one of the girls? And I was just like, no, mom, I'm your son. <laughs> if I came out as trans, then maybe, but thank you for asking. <laughs> but also like when I'm coming out as gay, I'm not asking you to treat me like a daughter. I'm asking you to treat me like your son, your gay son. And I guess they just didn't have the tools for that. And a lot of parents don't. And it took a lot of education, a lot of conversation. But, I mean, now we've got a pride flag out front. Um, when I was in high school, I was also the president of the LGBTQIA plus club. <laughs> and I founded it. And then I'm here at CWI. I'm the president of the Queers and Allies Club. So, Heck and yeah. yeah. And they've been supportive the whole way. It's been different levels of support. But we've all been learning together. And overall, I think I had a pretty good experience. Good. Yeah. Hi, my name is Thais. I'm a part of the Q&A club, and this is my coming out story to my father. Um, it's an interesting situation where I had gone on a trip with my family to Portland, and it just so happened that it was during Pride Week there. And I was very intent on going to Pride, even if it wasn't in my own city. So I had decided to go to Portland Pride. After going to Portland Pride, I was covered in flags. I came back to the hotel, and my father just looked at me, was like, oh, okay, <laughs> and then looked away. I thought it was quite funny, and it really resembled our relationship, where... I just can do what I want, and he doesn't really say anything about it. Was that your uh, first Pride experience, or...? Yes, it was, and it was really fun. I enjoyed myself, and I enjoyed being around people who were like me. And it feel, felt like an accepting environment. Mm -hmm. 
Have you been to any other Pride since? No, I haven't. I'd like to go to the one in my own city. However, I haven't had the opportunity yet. Because that weekend lands around my birthday. Mm, Yeah. And I'm often on trips with my family during that time. Mm. Yeah, I also have a June birthday, but towards the end of June, so I always have the ability to enjoy that weekend. Oh, yeah. It's really nice when um, nobody comes to your 16th birthday party because it lands on Pride. (laughs) That's called having too many gay friends. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) The gays just attract each other, though. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of also in our working definition. We are attracted to each other. (laughs) Um, So... Did you only have that specific experience with your father, or were there any other experiences you wanted to share today? Um, I just thought that that coming out was amusing. It is interesting. I think it doesn't describe the relationship particularly that I have with my father, but I think I have a lot of friends who have that similar relationship where it's just like, you do something, he acknowledges, not many words are shared. Oh, no, we don't really have a very strong bond. Mm-hmm. Um, we we mostly bicker whenever we talk to each other extensively. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm glad that it wasn't bickering because he would have lost that argument. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Yes. And... He loses a lot of arguments. Sorry, Dad. But that's just how it is. Actually reminds me of this post I saw a while back where it was about, like, people coming home from Pride and this person being really sad, being an onlooker, because the people were slowly peeling off, like, their Pride stickers and they were slowly taking all their flags and bearing them in their backpacks um, because they were kind of scared to go home with all of that on. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that way at all during Pride, or was it not as much of an issue? No, I wanted my family to see me in my colors. Yeah. Like, I could have taken it off before I had gotten back to the hotel, but I chose not to because I wanted them to know that I was a part of the community and that if that they had to accept me if all of me if they wanted that's to be accepted me that's honestly a really brave moment it was probably really nerve-wracking too oh yeah yeah cuz they weren't expecting it at all it just happened yeah i didn't even know i was going to pride that weekend but i just had found out that it was going on in portland where it was going on mm-hmm. and i was like i have to go now and you just decided yourself? You didn't go with any friends? You just went? No, I brought my sisters. Okay. But I would have... you brought them or why you went? Or? I don't think at first they did. Mm. But as, the, as we went forward, I made it obvious why we were there. And it was really nice because um, my sister actually said that it was the happiest that she'd seen me. Oh. That warms my cold, cynical heart. (laughs) Um, Also, to kind of demystify uh, Pride a little bit, what did you do at Pride in Portland? I bought socks. Wow. That's very, (laughs) very um, 
degenerate of you to buy socks. <laughs> <laughs> no. It, I liked that booth quite a bit because there was a really nice person um, running it. Mm-hmm. And we actually were talking about pride and different prides in different cities. Yeah. And I, I liked it because it wasn't a straight person <laughs> running the booth. Yeah, it gave it some legitimacy, some authenticity. Mm-hmm. It was also cool that they've experienced other prides and they're able to like share that information with a different community. Yeah, because I was talking about how I had missed Boise Pride because I was in Portland and um, they were talking about how they have friends that are going to the Pride there at that moment, how they had gone before, mm-hmm. etc. And it was just, it was really, it was really nice to talk to somebody yeah, in the community. <laughs> yeah, I, I've only been to a few different prides, but I can tell you that at least between like Boise and Minneapolis, it's they can be very different. I think Boise is a lot more focused on like the um, advertising and the like performance aspect of pride. Mm-hmm. Where when I went to the Minneapolis Pride, all I remember is just like tons of dogs and rainbow tutus like everywhere. Oh my gosh. And it was like all in this big park and we were walking around. Like there's like booths and stuff. And some of the booths are kind of weird. Like there was one booth for like, um, I wouldn't want to say it was a vegan booth, but it was an anti, anti-harm for animals booth. Mm-hmm. And they just set up this booth at Pride. And they put up like a bunch of little videos and stuff for people to watch of like animals being killed, so uh. they can like educate them on like the ethics of that. And I was just like, I don't know whether or not I support you or do, or don't support you, but is Pride? It, it felt kind of co-opted, mm-hmm. and it kind of bothered me because like Pride isn't just like some big like business forum or something. It's I feel like it's treated that way, though. It gets treated that way. And then I went to Alt Pride this last year at Boise. And mm. that was an interesting experience. No, I felt like Portland Pride was very business-oriented. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of, like, the shoe companies with the straight people trying to advertise their shoes. I bet they didn't even feel comfortable either. They probably yeah. felt the whole time like, why am I here? I'm, I have to do this because I'm paid to do this. Mm-hmm. This is weird. I can imagine like no one felt good with those exchanges. Yeah. My sisters wanted to go to that booth though because they're a fan of the shoes and also they're straight. So they felt comfortable with oh, that's the straight funny. people. Yeah. Well, when I, when I ran the Democratic booth um, at Pride this last year, it was interesting because I was the only gay person at the booth. Oh, and huh. the other people running the booth, I think they were all straight people who worked in the Democratic Party. And then I also brought my friends as volunteers who were all like queer and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was such a weird experience because the people in the Democratic Party in Idaho, they just seemed really disconnected from queer language, from like how to like speak to people and use their pronouns and like anything. And I'm like, you're at Pride. You should probably know this. I like even made mm-hmm. worksheets for them, like little informational pamphlets that I handed out. But it just felt like, why are you here? Yeah, <laughs> it, like, it does give that vibe, kind of. Yeah, it, it felt very inauthentic. and. No, I felt like when I the people at Pride that I connected with the most were obviously queer. Mm-hmm. And we could connect on that level. There was this um, 
man who was giving out dad hugs. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how a lot of um, places will have mom hugs? Mm -hmm. I think I've seen that um, on the internet for Pride before. Yeah, it's a pretty popular thing. But I liked that at Portland Pride there was a man doing dad hugs. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. nice. I think we don't get enough normalization of like men being able to interact with other people like physically mm-hmm. i mean we do but that's a different conversation huh oh um there's one more thing i want to talk about in regards to pride ah i lost it well that was a pretty good discussion. No, I think I I really enjoyed that pride because it was a way for me to um, show my family a different side of me mm-hmm. and kind of accept them into my queerness. Yeah. In a safe space where, like, it's not sitting them down and being like, hey, this is what's going on. And it's kind of hard to deny someone's identity as well when, like, they just came from a giant public event that's pretty global in which it is legitimized. Mm-hmm. And they enjoyed themselves at Pride. Yeah. Which was nice. Because then we could all, like, celebrate being queer together, even though they're not. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for coming on and sharing your story today, Thais. No problem, Bob. Oh, I like that. My name's Bob now. Um, <laughs> this is Bob Young, president of the Queers and Allies Club at CWI, uh, signing out. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.